we're getting ready to start a new series today called In God We Trust. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about generosity. We're going to talk about um, how to be better stewards of the resources that God has given to us. And I know that if you're newer and newer to our church, and maybe you invited a friend with you this morning, you're thinking, oh, great. I brought my friend with me this morning, the week that we're going to talk about money. Isn't that awesome? And, uh, but, but here's the thing. I, I want to just set, the, set it straight. There's no pressure on anybody to give. Because the reality is Jesus doesn't need anything from us. And so there's no pressure. But I, I think that generosity goes way beyond finances. And sometimes we limit generosity to only being about finances. And, uh, but it's so much more than that. Generosity can be with our time. It can be with our talent and the gifts that God has given to us. It can be with our financial resources that God has provided for us. And, um, and so I, before we jump in, I just want to uh, release any tension or any pressure that anyone might feel. There is absolutely no pressure on you to give because Jesus doesn't need anything from us. Okay? We cool? We good. All right. Now, in our world today, they, people are doing studies about everything. Anything that you could think of, there's probably a group of college students doing a study about it. And, uh, and they did a study, a group of students from Notre Dame did a study. They surveyed 2,000 people. And they did a survey about generosity and how generosity can actually affect your health. Interesting. And here's some, of the, here's some of the things that they came up with. They said, Americans who describe themselves as very happy volunteer an average of 5.8 hours per month. Those who are unhappy, just 0.6 hours a month. Interesting. Generosity with your talent or gifts or abilities. Other findings include lower depression rates, among Americans who donate more than 10% of their income. 41% say they rarely or never experience depression versus 32% for everyone else. Americans who are very giving in relationships, you can be generous by being available. Americans who are very giving in relationships, being emotionally available and hospitable, are much more likely to be in excellent health. 48% compared to those who are not 31%. And I know sometimes I, I talk a lot about what I eat and what I eat is not healthy. <laughs> I know. But people are like, how, well, how are you, how do you look like that? It's because I'm generous, guys. I figured it out. <laughs> I figured it out. I figured it out. But oftentimes we think about generosity only from the perspective of our finances. But what I want to encourage us is that generosity goes way beyond the money that you give to something. It goes way beyond that. It's so much bigger than that. But it has everything to do with what am I giving my time to? What am I making myself available to? Am I making myself available to relationships that I know are a necessity for me right now? Am I making myself available to put my hands to the plow and help however I can help? Wherever I can volunteer, wherever I can lend a hand, it goes way beyond that. We can be generous with our words. 
We can be generous with our time. We can be generous with our gifts and our talents. We can be generous with our finances. And when we think about generosity that way, then everyone can be generous. Every single one of us, irregardless of our economic background, economic status, irregardless of our past, the color of our skin, it doesn't matter. We all can be generous. We all have something to give. And so every single person in this room, irregardless of where you may be right now, you can be generous. And my prayer is that as we talk this morning about generosity is that we would be encouraged and challenged to figure out where we could be more generous and make a difference in the world around us. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you've done. And God, I thank you that you are the greatest example of generosity. And I pray that, God, we would be encouraged to know that, God, we're not limited by our resources. We're not limited by the things that you've ultimately given to us. And so, Father, would you help us to see generosity the way that you designed it to be seen. We love you. We bless you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Proverbs eleven twenty four through 25, the message version, it says this. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. Now, many of you know my love for food. It's all I talk about. And uh, I I used to have this problem. I still have this problem. I don't know why I said I used to. uh, But anytime we would go out to eat with a big group of people, what happens is people are like, oh, you want to split something? You want to share this? And and here I am like, not really want to share anything. I don't know about you, but... If there's anything that I'm not generous with, it's my food. Anybody else? Thank you. And uh, so people would be like, oh, we're going to share this. You want to split this? You want to share that? You want to split this? And I would literally kind of sink back in my seat, and I would wait for everybody to pair up. And then I would be like, oh, I'm good. I'm good. Oh, everybody's good? You, you, you sure? You, oh, you got some? Okay, cool. Cool. You got somebody. Okay, cool. And then I would get my own meal. And I had this, I, I did this because I always had the thought of, well, if I split something, then I'm, it's not going to be enough food for me. Right. I'm not going to be full. That means I'm going to have to go get a Whopper from Burger King after. <laughs> and, uh, and so, I, you know, I was like, oh, I'm not going to. But what happened is when the food would come, everyone's eating, everyone's having fun, they're, they're doing their thing, I would find myself with my meal, which was awesome, And it's all mine, but I wasn't in any of the rest of the conversation because everyone else was talking about the food that they were sharing, that they were having together, and here I am in my own little world. And so what was happening is the world of the people who were willing to share their meal was actually getting larger. The people were added to their group. Whereas I am in my own world with this dish that I am loving so much. (laughs) But you better believe that I felt like my world got smaller in that moment. And I wonder how many of us right now feel like our world is small. I don't have anyone around me 
And I wonder if we actually took a moment to honestly assess our life, if we would ask ourselves, well, am I being as generous as I could be? And if I actually examined how I spent my time, how I used my resources, how I was using my gifts, could I be more generous and therefore could my world actually enlarge around me? Now, I wonder how many of us are missing out on all that God has for us because we're afraid that we don't have enough. That if we give, then I'm going to have a lack of. I wonder how many of us miss out on people that God's trying to put in our lives. Relationships that he has intended for us. Because we're afraid that if I give something to that, then I know I feel like I'm not going to have enough. I'm losing something. And... Maybe this, this, you feel this way because you've worked hard for what you have. Maybe you feel this way because you've been burned in the past by somebody in a relationship. Maybe you feel this way because everything that you have, you feel like you deserve or you've earned it. But it leads us to a place of thinking all of those thoughts come from a place that's fear-based. It's fear-based. It's, it's, it's thinking, well, well, when I think about generosity, I'm, I'm buy- and it's fear-based, I'm thinking and buying into the idea of God providing us with a pie with limited parts and pieces to protect, wow. when it's actually the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. Nice. Jesus gives us pieces of a pie and parts of a pie, not for us to protect, right. but for us to give freely. And so if we look at it with the fear-based mentality, then our mindset will always be, I must hold on to this because I'm not going to have enough if I let it go. And if you're taking notes, the first point is this. Generosity requires a faith mentality, not a scarcity mentality. Generosity requires a faith mentality, not a scarcity mentality. Generosity is faith-based. Generosity designed the way that it was supposed to be is faith-based. When I think about generosity with a faith mentality and not a scarcity mentality, I see God's provision as a river that is continually flowing. When I think about generosity with a faith mentality and not a scarcity mentality, I recognize that everything that I have comes from God. Everything that I have belongs to God. Everything that I have is already His. When I think about generosity with a faith mentality and not a scarcity mentality, I am more focused on what I actually do have than what I don't have. And I wonder how many of us are stuck there. Where all we're focused on is, oh, I don't have that. Instead of all the things that God's already given to us. When I think about generosity with a faith mentality and not a scarcity mentality, then I realize that what I am a part of is bigger than the part that I play. When I think about generosity from a faith mentality and not a scarcity mentality, I believe that God can do more with my finances, my time, my talents than I will ever be able to do. He can do more 
with anything than I will ever be able to do. When I think about generosity from a faith mentality and not a scarcity mentality, then I understand that God has blessed us and entrusted us with these resources, our time and our talents to steward. When we think about generosity with a faith mentality and not a scarcity mentality, we are displaying God's heart for humanity. When we think about generosity with a faith mentality and not a scarcity mentality, we recognize that God is simply asking us to give back to him what he has freely given to us. Jesus isn't focused on the size of your generosity, but he is concerned about the mentality that you have when you are generous. Think about your job. Think about it. God gave you the gifting, the ability to go through the training, the schooling, whatever it is, so that you could be prepared and capable of doing the job that ultimately he opened the door for you And so even the result, the fruit of your job, you being paid financially, is not a result of your own doing, even though it feels like it. It belongs to God. Everything has come from him. Everything. Everything. Generosity requires a faith mentality, not a scarcity mentality. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21, and in this text, Jesus is coming into the city of Jerusalem to do the most extraordinary thing on earth. You and I, most of us, we we know what this is. He's coming, he's getting ready to save the entire world. Jesus lived 33 years, a perfect life, so that then he could take our place on a cross. It's the gospel, it's the good news. And this is the story of grace and the redemption of our God and Maybe some of you are like, well, how does Jesus giving his life, what does the gospel have to do with generosity? It has everything to do with generosity. It's the greatest example of generosity. And everything, what I love about about our faith is everything comes back and it always points to Jesus. And so Jesus is approaching the city with the Passover festival, celebrating the lamb that had been slain from centuries before as a way of acknowledging the deliverance of the people of God from the bondage of Egypt. Now, in this Passover season, Christ comes to Jerusalem. And as he comes into the city, the story unfolds like this. And we'll start in verse 1, Matthew chapter 21, verse 1. It says, As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there. With her colt by her, untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey and a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Now the word Hosanna means salvation. 
So what they're really saying is, here comes God's salvation. Here comes his grace. Here comes his mercy. Here comes his redemption. Here comes forgiveness. Here comes deliverance. Here comes God's plan. Verse 10 says, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. See, when we have faith, when we have a faith mentality with generosity and not a scarcity mentality, then we realize how crazy it is that the God of all creation is asking us for what he needs. That makes no sense. But if we look in the passage, it says, he says, I want you to go into town and untie the donkey. Untie the donkey. And isn't that what we do when we're being generous? Maybe it's with our finances or our time, our talents. We're simply untying these things from the things that we have them caught up in. And we're bringing them and giving them back so that he can do what he is called to do and what he wants to do. We're saying that I've got stuff because God has blessed me and it's all tied up in different things, but I'm going to untie them and bring it to Jesus. And God lets us know that when we start untying our stuff to bring it to Jesus, that people are probably going to ask us about it. He said, if they ask you, tell them that the Lord needs them. Here's he doesn't he doesn't need them. But isn't that crazy that the one who created, actually created the donkey is asking us to bring him the donkey? Think about that. It's Jesus. He could have said, oh, I'm going to come in on a donkey. Boom, donkey. Am I right? Am I right? He could have said, boom, Colt, here it is. But Jesus came into the city on the generosity of ordinary people. So people, we talk about we're a church that wants to be for our neighborhood. We're a church that wants to be for our city. Well, how did Jesus come into the city? On the generosity of ordinary people. The generosity of ordinary people. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I, 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 was, I was reading that, and I was like, man, like, how come Jesus didn't say, hey, donkey, come on, let me get on you? And notice that he didn't say, oh, let me get that Ferrari, because that's what I want to ride into Jerusalem on. He didn't say, oh, let me get that spaceship. That's how I'm going to come in. But he chose a donkey. And what it told me is that everyone has a donkey. What's your donkey? What's your donkey? What's your donkey? Jesus came into the city. Jesus came into Brooklyn on the generosity of ordinary people to do an extraordinary thing. It reminds me that I don't have to have a lot to be a generous person. It reminds me that I don't have to have the nicest car. I don't have to have the nicest shoes. I don't have to have the largest bank account to be the most generous person. All I need is a donkey. I don't know why. That's just a funny word, donkey, right? Donkey. 
No matter what your background is, no matter how much money you have, what your occupation is, we all have something to give and to be generous with. Luke chapter 21, verses 1 through 4, it says, As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth. But she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had to live on. We all have something to give. And ultimately, when we're generous, we're just bringing back the thing that God has freely given to us. And when we can understand that Jesus comes into cities on the generosity of ordinary people to do an extraordinary thing, then we can understand that generosity prepares the way for the gospel. Generosity prepares the way for the gospel. Jesus came into Jerusalem on the donkey, and the people who followed, as we see in verse 9, they shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna. They shouted, salvation, salvation is here. Salvation is here. It's the good news. Famous verse, we all know it, John 3.16, Tim Tebow made it famous. But it says, for God so loved the world that he what? Gave. That he gave. His one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. This is the gospel. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. And maybe you're in the room and you didn't think that that news was for you. I'm here to tell you that it is. He didn't come for just me. He didn't just come for my wife. He didn't just come from the worship, for the worship team. He came for everybody. And you don't have to do anything but receive it. Generosity prepares the way for the gospel. While I was on staff at a church in South Florida, we were challenged by um, our leadership team down there to um, take $20 and do an act of generosity. So I got in a car with my friend Alan, who's now in Australia. And... Uh, we were sitting there, we each had $20, and we were praying, we were saying, well, God, what do you want us to do with these $20? In that moment, we recognized clearly that that $20 did not belong to us, it belonged to God, and we are going to use it for his purpose. And so we sat there, and we were like, God, what do you want us to do? And uh, Alan looked at me, and he said, oh, why don't, we, why don't we just take a turn on the parking lot, we'll just head down this way, feel like we're supposed to drive that way. So we start driving, and we see this car that's pulled over on the side of the off-ramp of the interstate, and... Um, and it had the emergency lights on. And so as soon as we saw the car, we looked at each other, and we're like, that's it. So we, like, do a U-turn. We come back around. We get to the car, and we meet Tina. We meet Tina, this, this lady. And as soon as we come to her, we say, hey, Tina, what's going on? Is there any way that we can help? And she said, yeah, my car is, is just about to run out of gas, and um, I don't want to continue driving because I know I'm about to run out, and I don't want to be stuck in the middle of the road. And we looked at Tina, and we said, hey, do you think you have enough to get to that gas station right there? We want to bless you. We want to fill your car up with gas. So she says, yeah, I think I can get that. So we, we move her over to the gas station. We get out of the car. We start filling her car up with uh, the $40 that we had together. And as the gas is pumping, we start asking Tina about her journey because we can see that she is clearly flustered. And so we start asking her about her story, and Tina begins to share that she was just laid off from her job. 
and she literally had everything that she had in her office in her car. She was just laid off. Her son was recently incarcerated in prison for life. And Tina looked at us and she said, uh, just weeping, she said, I was leaving my job's parking lot, getting ready to go home, getting ready to take my life. And I asked God, I said, God, if you're real, then give me a sign of hope. And then you guys showed up. And uh, we looked at Tina. Tina didn't know what we were doing. She didn't know where we were from. And uh, we just looked at Tina and we said, well, Tina, I don't know if you believe in God, but he loves you. He's trying to make it clear to you that he loves you. He doesn't want you to take your life. And, uh, and we invited her to church. So we said, Tina, we go to this church that's literally right down the road on the other side of this interstate. You should come. So Tina comes to church that Sunday. And there was an altar call, an opportunity for her to respond to the gospel. And of course, Tina did. But I wonder where Tina might be without that simple act of generosity, understanding that what we have is not our own, that what we have, what we've been given does not belong to us. But in that moment, a simple act of generosity prepared the way for the gospel, prepared the way for Tina now to raise her hand, to shout, Hosanna, here comes my salvation. Here comes forgiveness for me. Here comes my victory. And I wonder if some of us in this room have a Tina. Maybe it's somebody that we walk by every morning. And just a little act of generosity could prepare the way for Jesus to do what only he could do in their life. The biggest example of generosity besides Jesus for me in my life is my mom. For those of you who don't know, I'm half black, half Korean. Beautiful mix, I know. <laughs> and uh, when me and my wife have some kids, gonna have some beautiful tan babies, <laughs> blue eyed, curly hair, it's gonna be awesome. And uh, but my mom is Korean, my dad's black, and uh, we moved. I was born in Korea. My sister and I, we were born in Korea. We moved to California. My dad finished his uh, time in the military in California. And when he came out of the military, he had a little bit of an injury, came out of the military. And uh, at the time, when we were in California, my mom, I was about one years old. Uh, my sister was four. Uh, my mom didn't speak any English, not one word. And at the time, my dad was having a hard time finding work. So to the point where they couldn't take care of my sister and I, so they sent me to live with my dad's family in Atlanta. And uh, so I lived with my dad's family until I was four years old. Then my mom, my sister, and my dad, they moved to Atlanta. They came and joined us. And, uh, but one of the things is, is my mom is probably the most generous person that I know. And, uh, but she comes from a place of moving to a place where she didn't know the language. She had nothing to her name. And, uh, and she always reminds us, she always tells us, never forget where you came from. Never forget where you came from. And so we, we lived in a housing project until we were, I was about 10 years old. And then we moved to another neighborhood. My mom opened her own business. Somehow, by the grace of God, without speaking a lick of English, she opened up her own business, which she's had for 21 years. Makes no sense. But here's the thing. 
when we, uh, when we moved to another neighborhood, my mom said, hey, don't, you, you don't forget that. That's a part of who you are. Don't forget where you came from. And I would sit there and ask her. I was like, well, why do you keep saying that? In her broken English, don't forget where you came from. And I would say, well, why, why, why do I not, why, why, should, why, why is that important? And she just said, she would say that that, that, that was purposeful. Everything was purposeful in that season. That's what God had for us. And so now, what I've come to realize is the reason that she is such a generous person is because she's always understood that even in her darkest seasons, that everything that she has comes from God. So now, 20 years later, for the past 15 years, everything that she brings in with her business 50% of that automatically goes away. Automatically, she gives 50% of it away. Not just to the church, but if she knows that she has a friend who is in a desperate time, that's who it goes to. And um, and so she's modeled it for us to the point where there was a moment when I was uh, in my first semester of seminary. And I messed up and forgot to fill out my financial aid. And so the day before classes started, I got a hefty bill in the mail. It was for about $5,321.10. And you better believe that me recently graduating from undergrad, I did not have that. And uh, so I, the only thing I could think of was I need to call my mom, which is like the worst thing in the world. So I, I called my mom and said, hey, mom, I, I need help. I'm going to come to the store. I'll tell you later. And... Uh, so I get to the store, and if you know my mom, Tess knows my mom, some of you know my mom, she, when she is upset, she is upset. She is this tall, but turns into the Hulk when she's upset. <laughs> and uh, so I got to the store, and I said, Mom, this is my fault. I messed up. I know that I'm wrong. But here's, I got this bill that I got to pay, and I know that you want me to finish school, right? <laughs> I didn't do that. I didn't do that. I didn't do that. I didn't do that, I promise. And, uh, but I said, Mom, I got this bill. It's $5,321.10. And she looked at me and she said, okay. And I said, what? I, you okay? And she looked at me and I said, are you sure? And she said, yeah, this is okay. She said, she said JR, five years ago, I loaned a lady $10,000. Because she needed it. And uh, I said, you know, I said, hey, if you can pay me back, pay me back. And this lady disappeared. She ran off. We never heard from her. But that day that I showed up at that store, my mom got a check in the mail from this lady. You want to know the amount that was written on the check? Because we didn't have Venmo back then. (laughs) The amount that was written on the check was $5,300. Twenty-one dollars and ten cents. Generosity. 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 Matthew chapter ten, verse eight. It says, "Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give." Here's the thing. If you would say that you were a follower of Jesus Christ, when you responded to that invitation, 
when you responded to the gospel, the kindness of God, the faithfulness of God, the grace of God, all those things you received in that moment, all of those things. So if we really think about generosity, we aren't actually losing anything, but we're gaining everything. And then some. We're gaining everything plus a little bit of interest. Everybody likes a little interest when it's on your side, right? Which leads me to my last point. Whatever we give to God in generosity, we don't lose. We get back plus interest. We get back plus interest. God gave me and Alan's $20 a piece, and we gave that to Tina. We gave back what God ultimately gave to us. And now... We've been written into the story that God's writing. We've been written into the story that God was writing for Tina's life. So God's giving us that $40 and then some back because now Tina's life is forever changed. And the impact that Tina will have in this world, whoever she then reaches, is interest. We're not losing, we're not losing anything. Not losing anything. Not losing anything. God is writing us into the story of eternity when we are generous. And God is saying, I'm going to give you back whatever you lay up your treasure on earth. You lay it up in heaven. It's there for you when you arrive. When you arrive in the life to come, guess what you are going to have forever? It's whatever you gave and then some. So when we get there, There is going to be no place for, oh, I don't have as much as they have. Well, I wonder how much you gave. The other thing to think about is Jesus came riding in on a donkey. And I wonder how many of us, it's time for us to get off our high horse. I wonder how many times, I'm guilty of this. I'm speaking to myself. How many times I've walked by somebody because I don't want to be seen with them? How many times I maybe have not invited somebody to my house? How many times I maybe have not decided to grab coffee with somebody? When we give financially or give our time or our talents, we aren't actually giving. Yes, we might be rearranging our finances, recalibrating our time and our schedule, adjusting our life a little bit here on earth. But if we really understand generosity, then we actually see that we got finances. We got time. We have gifts. We have talents. And now, when we're generous, God is allowing us to be a part of the story that he's writing, which makes no sense at all. We have no business being in his story. He doesn't need us. We don't deserve to be in his story. But because he's a generous God, we get to be a part of the story that he's writing. Whatever we give, we don't lose 
God. It's actually going into your eternal bank account. Whenever you feel the urge to give, but you're a little bit concerned about what you might have left, just fix your eyes on him. Know that he, he, he knows everything that you need. And, uh, you know, there's a moment where I was, uh, my mom gave me $40 just seems to be my number. Maybe somebody's going to give me $40 today. Uh, but my mom gave me $40 to fill up her gas tank. I went to the gas station, and um, I was a poor college student, so I didn't have anything to my name. Um, I had $40 cash, and I was walking into the store to, to pay the clerk, and I, there's a homeless guy, and he looked at me, and he said, hey, do you have any money? I had $40, but I told him no. I said, no, I don't, because my mom told me I got to put gas in the car. If I don't, she's going to yell at me. She's going to turn into the Hulk. <laughs> and uh, so I, I did that, and, um, and uh, I walked in, and as soon as I walked in, I felt the Spirit of God say, uh-uh, you need to give him those $40. And immediately I said, well, God, are you going to protect my mom from me? Are you going to keep, keep me from my mom? <laughs> and... Uh, and he said, and then in that moment, I also had the assumption that if I give this guy $40, I have a good idea of what he's going to do with it. And God in that moment told me, it's not your place to judge what he does with it. I'm just calling you to be obedient and give it to him. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I go back out, and I'm like, I, when I say reluctantly, I mean reluctantly. I'm like, hey, here, man. Here's, here, bless you. Bless you. And I get back in the car, and I'm driving home. And I had about 45 miles to go, guys. Uh, and let me tell you, there was no gas in that car to go 45 miles. But I, here's what I did. I said, God, I felt like you were calling me to do that. I did that. And so, God, I need you to honor my obedience because he does honor obedience. I said, God, I need you to honor obedience. I know this is crazy. I've never done this before. But I need you to put some gas in this car if you can do it. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm driving and I'm praying. And I turned some worship music on because that's what you do when you're praying in a desperate situation, right? <laughs> and uh, I turned some, I, everybody, everybody had their one song, I know. So I turned some worship music on, and I'm driving, and I'm praying, I'm saying, God, you are the living water. And, I, and, I, and as I'm listening to myself, I'm like, what am I doing? Um, and I'm like, this living water, I need it to not come through me, I need it to come through this car. And here's the thing, as I'm praying, as I'm driving, the gas gauge starts to move. And here's the thing, I'm like, okay, it's really empty, so the gas gauge can jump. It can jump when it's really empty. But my mom's car had one of those things where it told you how many miles you had left until you need to put more gas in. And that number started to not go down, but up. And at this point, I'm like, am I loose? Am I that tired? And I get to the house, I pull into the driveway, and the car is full at this point. And it's so late that I'm like, you know what, I'm tired, I'm going to go to sleep. And uh, my mom always got up before me and my sister, and uh, so I knew if there was no gas in that car, she was going to wake me up. Nothing happened. I didn't hear her. I called her when I woke up. I said, hey, Mom, do you have gas in your car? And she said, yeah, you put it in. I said, uh, yeah, I did. <laughs> and... Uh, but here's the thing, I, I share that story because even when you don't have anything, he might still call you to give. And here's what I want you to know. You can step out and give in that moment when you have absolutely nothing 
not because of who you are, not because of anything that you can do, but because you can put full confidence that he is always faithful. He will always honor obedience. And so here's the thing. You're not losing anything when you give, but you might have everything to gain and then some. Because I don't know, when I gave that guy $40, I have no idea the impact that that could have had on his life in that moment. I don't know where he is. He might be somewhere right now doing the exact same thing that I'm doing right now. I have no idea. So when I give, when I'm generous, I'm not losing anything. But I'm actually gaining everything and then some interest because... Because Jesus tells us, whatever I lay up here on earth, it's going to be there for me in heaven and then some. So I'm getting back if I give $40. I'm going to have $40 in heaven waiting on me. But I'm also going to have any life that might have been impacted because of my little act of generosity and obedience in that moment. Oh. And my prayer is that we as a church, as a community, would be just stupid generous. Stupid generous. I want people, when they hear about liberty, oh, those are those people who just keep giving money away. They They just keep donating stuff to these people, and they keep giving this, and they keep giving that. And let me tell you, I know... That, that's who our lead pastors are. That's who they are. Every opportunity they have to give, most likely, 110%, they will give. And my prayer is that we would not be limited by our circumstances, by our situation, but that we would understand that generosity requires us to have a faith mentality, not a scarcity mentality. That it's our generosity that prepares the way for the gospel. It brings Jesus into the city, into our neighborhoods, into our schools, into our workplaces. Let me tell you, your act of generosity will speak louder than anything you will ever say. I used to tell students that I would work with who were serving on the worship team, who they love being on that platform. They love grabbing that mic. They love singing. I said, here's my hope for you. If you learn nothing else from me, My hope for you is that the life that you live would speak louder than any song that you ever sing. And that's my prayer. Sometimes we have a hard time. We don't know what to say. We want to share our faith. Well, sometimes God's just calling us, hey, why don't you just give your life? Why don't you just give your time to that person? Why don't you just give that person the $20 that you felt called to give them to? But you knew you weren't going to get to go to Burger King after you gave that $20. Let me tell you, there is a better Whopper waiting on you in heaven. One that will not have any calories. You better believe I got my Burger King up there. But my hope is that we would be a generous community, a generous church. Generosity is contagious, guys. It's contagious. Generosity prepares the way for the gospel. Jesus came riding into cities on the generosity of ordinary people. He came riding into the city on the generosity of people like you and me. Here's the thing. I have no business being up here, but it is by the grace of God 
the mercy of God that I am who I am. And so here's the thing. If we never did another offering moment on a Sunday, I think we'd be fine. Here's why. Even though we have amazing people who come and share their heart behind why they give. Here's the thing. Once you respond to the good news of Jesus Christ, once you respond to the gospel, you better believe you have every reason to give already. He's given you everlasting, eternal life. We don't need another reason to be generous. We don't need another reason to give. And lastly, whatever we give to God in generosity, we do not lose. We actually get back plus interest. Thank you for listening to the Liberty Church Podcast. If you are in New York City or will be visiting the New York area soon, please be our guest on Sunday. For service times and locations, please visit libertychurchnyc.com.